Hey guys, sorry I haven't made an episode in a little while, but I had some personal things going on in my life, so I needed to take a step back and give that the attention that it needed. But I am refreshed and ready to go and am hoping to get some episodes put out this weekend. There was something that I wanted to talk about in this episode that I haven't really talked about before. And there is a lot of things about my life that I have not spoken about publicly. And it was when I was with them. And I think it's because I'm a little bit ashamed to talk about it. Because it's definitely not things that I am proud of. And I know that they had a lot of control over my mind, my behavior, and pretty much my whole life. But I don't feel like I can always just sit here and blame them for every mistake that I've ever made. I have to take responsibility for things. But it's hard to talk about them because how do you explain those things to people that may or may not understand it? And more importantly, how do you talk about things when you're scared people will start to look at you differently because of it? I had gone through a lot in the 26 years that I was under their control, and a lot of things happened. The first thing that I want to talk about was brought to my attention by some of my most loyal listeners, and I'm actually very happy that they brought it up because it is a very important topic that I don't think is talked about enough. So what was mentioned was a criminal record that I have. Now, while they did not see my entire criminal record, I did think that it was something that I wanted to talk about because sex traffickers, they make you do things that implicate you in crimes. And it's all about control. So if they have something over your head, then you're easier to be controlled. And they'll use crimes and criminal records to do that. And I think one of the bigger reasons that they do this is so you won't go forward because then you'll be implicating yourself as well. That wasn't exactly what happened to me, but it is very similar. There was someone that I was close to in my life when I was about 17, 18, 19 years old. And they were doing some pretty bad things. And I thought that even though I was not there for a lot of the times, or I was not the one that was actually physically doing it, that I was not committing a crime and could not be charged. But I was just a stupid little kid and had no idea about life so it made things difficult for me I did not know that I was in fact committing the same crime that he was so what are my charges well I was charged with possession of marijuana with intent to deliver because he was selling weed I did not touch the product most of the time and I was not the one that the people were calling. So 
It was easy for me to assume that I was not going to get in trouble for it, but I did, and I was considered his accomplice. I have two counts of that and also two counts of criminal conspiracy. Criminal conspiracy just means that there was a co-defendant. So if you ever see in the news that someone is convicted of conspiracy to commit sex trafficking, it just means that they did not act alone. I didn't know that I could be charged with the exact same charges as him because in my mind, I could not control his actions, which is 100% true. I could not control him or the things that he did. But what I could control was how I behaved. I did not have to be with him. I could have turned him in. There are just so many different things that I could have done. But I chose to look the other way, and that is what implicated me in the same crime. I don't want to get too much into details about the night of our arrest, but they stormed into our apartment and arrested us, brought us down for questioning, and then brought us to be arraigned and sent home on our own recognizance, which basically means that we didn't have to pay any bail. It was my first charge, but it was definitely not his. I did not realize the seriousness of everything. I thought that if I could prove that he was the one that was purchasing the weed and he was the one that was selling it, that I could essentially plead not guilty and get exonerated. But after meeting with my lawyer, I found out that that was not going to be a possibility. He wanted me to play the battered women's card and basically say that I was an abuse victim and was not acting in my right mind, that I was terrified about a whole bunch of other things. But I chose not to do that. I spent a long time thinking and realized that I did play a part in it. I could have left. I could have turned him in. I could have done a lot of things, so... I was guilty of something, and I wanted to take responsibility for that. So I made a deal with the district attorney that if I pled guilty, then I would receive probation and my records would be sealed as long as I did not get into any trouble. The judge was not in the mood for it that day, so I was instead sentenced to four to 23 months incarceration and a consecutive year of probation. Because I was pregnant with my oldest daughter at the time of my sentencing, I was allowed to complete my sentence on house arrest, which was horrible, by the way. It is not as nice as everyone thinks it is. In fact, if I was not pregnant, I probably would have rather spent my time in the county jail. I had to wear a tracking device. It did not track my every move, just if I went out of the radius that I was allowed to have. I had to answer the phone multiple times a day and repeat a whole bunch of weird codes to make sure that I was not intoxicated. I had a laundry list of things that I was not allowed to eat or drink, including certain types of toothpaste that I was not allowed to brush my teeth with because... They could cause me to fail a breathalyzer, which I had to have done multiple times a week. And obviously, I had to do drug tests 
So there was a number of things that would test positive. So it was just extremely intrusive and invasive. It was not comfortable living. It was just basically surrounded by hearing that phone ring. Because if it rang, I had to answer it. And I had to repeat those codes. And it wasn't as easy as you would think for them to recognize my voice. There was one time where it was pretty early in the morning and I was getting over a cold. And when I woke up and answered the phone to do the little code thing, I failed it and I had to go all the way to the jail to submit a drug test. I had just had my three-hour glucose screening done because the doctor suspected that I had gestational diabetes. I had no idea that poppy seed was an ingredient in the thing that they made me drink. So I was testing positive for heroin and I was there for hours before they were able to get in touch with the hospital and get everything settled and confirm that it was in fact that test that was causing that positive result. And it was devastating because I knew that I was not using and to be accused the way that I was, I just, I didn't feel like a person and I wasn't a person. I was a criminal who was on house arrest, which technically was an inmate in a jail. So, you know, that's how I was treated. I ended up being able to go home, but those four months that I spent on house arrest, I learned a lot of lessons and I grew up pretty quickly. I did not have to do what I did by pleading guilty and taking responsibility, but I I think I would have always regretted it if I hadn't. I would always look back and think that I took the weaker route by blaming someone else for things I did. I'm not quite sure how I was able to come to that conclusion at such a young age, especially considering what my life was like at the time, but looking back, I am glad that I made the decision that I did, despite the fact that I now have a criminal record. And I don't feel like I should be ashamed of it because it's all part of the sex trafficking world. And it's a part of my story, which is a part of me. I did complete my sentence with no problems, and it was an extremely long few years. It was hard watching my co-defendant getting the same exact sentence as me, even though he did more. His attorney used my sentence at his trial to basically say, well, this is what the co-defendant got. And I felt like it wasn't fair that I went first in sentencing and that I obviously got a lesser sentence because I had not been as involved, but 
The judge in his case gave him the exact same sentence as me because we were co-defendants and it was assumed that we both committed the same amount of crime. But in reality, we really did not. It hurt. It really hurt. And it felt like the bad guys, they still always win. He actually ended up getting released before I was. I'm still to this day not sure how that happened. In fact, there was one time that he was denied a travel permit for a trip that we were going to take for my 21st birthday. And because he was denied, my probation officer took my travel permit away and would not allow me to go because of him. And it was just so strange because it was like everything bad was happening to me, but not to him. And the things that were happening to me were happening to me because of things that he did, not things that I did. He eventually got kicked off the house arrest program and was incarcerated. He still blames me for that. It's not my business to tell why, but it had nothing at all to do with me. After all of that, I went years without ever having contact with police in that way again. And I never got into any trouble. But in 2010, I had a moment of reactive abuse. It was after I left and was out of the shelter. I was no longer in the transitional living program. You had to have children to be in that program. And at this point, my daughters were living with their father. So I had to leave. He, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. He just isn't the nicest person on the planet, but he is more bark than he is bite in most cases. He called me and we were fighting like we always do. He didn't want to let me talk to my children. And I did not want him to allow contact with my parents and my children. And it was just this never-ending battle. When he left, he constantly was in contact with our kids. I made sure of that. And I expected him to do the same for me, but it was, again, a very naive thought. And I should have known better, but, you know, nothing I can do about that now. He had lost his temper on this particular phone call and was screaming at me over and over again that he was going to end my life. I called the local police and they came out. I tried to make a report. I was informed that it was actually not a crime because I was not in imminent danger. In order for him to be charged, I would have to be in this imminent danger that they described. Basically that he had to be in close enough vicinity to me that he could act on that threat immediately. I had talked to him in another conversation while again attempting to speak to my daughters and I had found out that he was allowing contact between my parents and my daughters. It wasn't physical contact, but it still was violating the restraining order. I initially 
called the police so I could get charges pressed for the violation. But that's a whole nother story for another day. But in the middle of this conversation, he started screaming a bunch of things at me. And finally, I just lost it and hung up on him. I called him back and I got sent straight to voicemail. So I left one basically stating that if he ever let my parents near our children again, that I would end his life. It was a mistake to leave it on a voicemail, and I wish I could say that I regretted it, but I really don't. I do not wish death upon anyone, and I definitely would not do that to him. But I was just so tired of the emotional abuse coming from him that I just reacted and not in a good way. I pled guilty again and I was given two years probation for terroristic threats. In the state that the charges were in, it basically just means that you threaten somebody hoping to scare them, essentially, and cause terror. It has absolutely nothing to do with actual terrorism. And unlike my loyal listeners are saying, it had absolutely nothing to do with minors. It was my ex-husband who was extremely abusive to me. I am not saying that he deserved what I did, but after so much time, eventually, you just react without even thinking. The thing about that case that was so upsetting to me was he actually had put his hands on me a long time ago in the beginning of our relationship and was only given one year probation. So essentially, it was more illegal to say that you were going to do something from 1,100 miles away than it was to actually do something. But you live and you learn. So that is my record. The threat charges was a trap that he put into place and I fell for. My father had emailed me and other victims of his a copy of my arrest warrant and said to the other victims that they were next. There wasn't even any information about what the charges were, so to be honest, when I got that email, I thought that he had falsified that document because he's done that many, many times over. But when I did confirm it was true, I went up there and I turned myself in. I was never formally arrested. I just showed up at court and did everything in one day. And again, served my sentence with no problems at all. The biggest thing that I learned was my actions had consequences. And it didn't matter if it was caused by someone else. So I served my two years of probation and fled the state after that and went on the run again because it was just apparent that the continued contact with him was too toxic. And I worked out a system so I could still speak with my children and not have to have contact with him. And that has been in place for, oof, five, six years now, I think. 
When I originally was sentenced, there was a no contact order in place, but we were allowed to speak if it had to do with the children. And that was just a blessing in disguise because I really didn't want to have contact with him. And it was so crazy because there were times where he would text me constantly, but I wasn't allowed to reply and nothing could be done in that case. So it just shows that the system does not always protect victims. But again, it's the legislation and how the laws are written that do this. I think the biggest lesson in all of this is I did not know I was committing crimes. If I did, I would not have said the things that I said. I didn't know with what he was doing with the weed that I was also implicated in that crime as well, or I would have made different choices. People can and will cause you to commit crimes without you even knowing it. It's like if they say, hey, I want you to say this to this person to defend me, because I'm too terrified, you may be implicated in a crime and their hands are clean, especially if there's no proof of that conversation. And this happens so much because when it comes to recruiting, you now become a perpetrator, but yet you still are a victim. I don't know how it works for a lot of people in the rings when it comes to becoming a recruiter. But for me, I was offered that I would not have to go on sales anymore if I would in turn bring victims home from school or from out in public or wherever. I couldn't do it. It was just not me. It wasn't in my nature to harm anybody. And in fact, I was punished for making that decision. And some of the more horrific sales that I have talked about were after I made the decision not to recruit. The thing is, if I had actually gone through with it, I would have been committing a crime. Even though I was a victim, there would be no way out of it. And I think that's a big thing that we need to talk about because with awareness, There is just so many facets to it, and this has got to be one of them. I am not shaming anyone that chooses to be a recruiter to save themselves from those sales because I know what happens on them, and I do not blame them. Recruiters are still victims, no matter how evil they may appear, and they don't have a choice. But the courts won't always see it that way. Sometimes they decide to make an example out of a recruiter in hopes that when a victim is given that option, they'll choose a different route. At least that's what I think they're doing. I don't know, to be honest. The crimes, though, that I am talking about are outside of the trafficking itself. To explain a little bit, before I left, I think it was a few months before, my father wanted me to sell his prescription medication. 
He said that we needed the extra money. Honestly, I don't even remember what excuse he gave because he gave so many throughout my life. I could have gone through with it, but instead I took the pills to my mother's work and was trying to convince her that he was doing all of these horrible things to me because at the time I had no idea exactly how involved she was and I went there thinking that she would stick up for me. I really believed that she would. I think the fact that I had gone to her instead of doing it kind of shocked her, maybe, because she threatened to have me arrested for theft and accused me of stealing them. I was just in disbelief. Here I had my father trying to get me to commit this horrible crime and I had my mother accusing me of another crime. It was just a very weird time. I don't quite have the words for it. If I had actually gone through with it and did what he asked me to, they probably would have turned me in. So I would have gone back to jail, more charges. I mean, who knows what the purpose would be. It's just like that life, there is just so many different criminal aspects to it. It's not just bringing one person to another person's house and saying, here, go have sex with them and get the money when you're done. It's like there are so many different crimes And it ends up just being one crime after the other, after the other, until you're eventually able to escape that life. And the things that I was charged with will follow me the rest of my life. But it is something that I can sit here now and say that I am proud of the way that I handled that situation when it happened. I am proud of pleading guilty and taking responsibility. Being at the young age that I was and being as damaged as I was, being able to stand up and take responsibility the way that I did, yeah, I am very proud of that. And I don't think that I should be ashamed. I made mistakes and I was really young when I made them. But I knew then that the rest of my life I would regret if I did not take that responsibility. So I made sure that I did right by me. And you can't really be ashamed of something like that. I look back and I just am so thankful that at the young age of 19, I was able to stand up and take responsibility for my actions. And it gives me hope because if I was able to make that kind of decision with everything that was going on, then I might not be as damaged as I thought I was. And back then, I wasn't as broken as they wanted me to be. And now I am not ashamed to talk about what happened because, like I said in the beginning, it's a part of my story, and my story is a part of me. 
And the lessons that I learned because of this are very valuable ones. The number one thing is that I was stronger than I thought I was because I could have done the weaker route and blamed everyone for my mistakes, but I chose not to. And I use that strength every day. And I think about that day to remind me exactly how strong I am. Eventually, I did walk away from that person and was able to see him for who he was. And I take the lesson learned. And I've moved on with my life, and I will continue to do so. So... To the loyal listeners that brought up my charges, I hope this explains everything, and I hope that maybe you will learn the same lessons that I did, because there are things that people do sometimes and aren't aware of the crime that they are committing, and sometimes they can be pretty serious crimes. Just be careful because not everyone in your life has the best intentions. And in sex trafficking, while you are still under control of your traffickers, yes, it is more difficult to walk away from those types of things. But this problem is not just in sex trafficking. It is in all aspects of life. And that is why I chose to make this episode because I'm hoping that all people can benefit from it and hopefully can learn the lesson that I learned but not have to learn it in the same way that I did.